What is up guys, it is Quinn here. And in today's video, I'm gonna be running through my start sits at the running back position. So if you guys are new to the channel or you know maybe just new to this style of video, the way I go through my start sits, I'll go through every single week three matchup, all 16 games, talk about every single fantasy relevant player, and then list them as either a start or a sit. So do I trust them in my lineup or would I you know prefer to have them on my bench? And then this video is typically geared more towards like 10, 12 team leagues, you know, your normal league settings. And then I'm going to try in this video to dig a little bit deeper on some of the close calls. Obviously, like when you're asking me, oh, am I starting Saquon Barkley? I don't need to give you a whole spiel on why Saquon Barkley should be a starter. But on some of the more fringe guys, I will try to dive a little bit more deeper, you know, break into some workloads, snap counts, all of that stuff. While you guys are watching, if you do enjoy the content, do me a huge favor, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. And if you guys have any fantasy questions, this could be start sits, this could be waiver wire, this could be trade advice. If you guys drop those down below in the comment section, I'll respond back to every single person. But let's jump into the Thursday night game where we have the Steelers taking on the Browns. There's not much you know, controversy here. For the Steelers, you're obviously firing up Najee Harris. And then for the Browns, I think both of these guys are solid plays. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. You know, throughout the season, each of these guys are going to go back and forth in terms of the touchdowns. We saw Kareem Hunt week one. He gets into the end zone twice. He has the big day. Then in week two, Nick Chubb scores three touchdowns. He's the one with the big performance. I'm not expecting either of these guys to have, you know, those monster performances again, especially here against the Steelers defense. But I do think they are definitely more than startable at this point in the season. Now moving over to these Sunday slate of games, probably the biggest no-brainer matchup we have here. Saints going up against the Panthers. This is obviously assuming that Alvin Kamara is back. From what we've been hearing, you know, reports from the Saints, he was actually very close to playing against the Bucks. So if he was close to playing on Sunday, I'd imagine he'd be ready to go, you know, next Sunday. So Alvin Kamara's fired in as a uh, start in your lineup. And then obviously same thing with Christian McCaffrey. Now getting into, you know, some more closer calls. We have the Texans taking on the Bears. And I actually do have Damian Pierce listed as a start and then Rex Burkhead listed as a sit. I just want to dive into this Texans backfield a little bit here. So heading into week one, you know, Damian Pierce had a lot of hype behind him. It seemed like he was going to lead this backfield. I thought he was, you know, startable heading into week one. I was definitely wrong. I think a lot of people were kind of stuck with him in their lineup and he just did not perform. Because week one, we saw Rex Burkhead take 71% of the snaps. This is a very high percentage for Rex Burkhead, especially when you're coming in thinking Pierce is going to be the guy. Burkhead also had 14 rush attempts and eight targets. So he led the team in rush attempts and significantly out-targeted Damian Pierce. Pierce had a 29% snap share, 11 targets or 11 uh, rush attempts, and then one target. So a rough, rough day for Pierce. We're heading into week two. I don't think anyone felt comfortable throwing Pierce into their lineup, but it's clear the Texans kind of flipped this game script. They wanted to get the ball into Pierce's hands, and it kind of turned into, in week two, more of what we were expecting in week one, where Rex Burkhead's probably going to be the third down back, and then Damian Pierce is getting the early down work. So in week two, we saw Burkhead take 37% of the snaps. He had zero rush attempts, three targets. Damian Pierce had 62% of the snaps, 15 rush attempts, and then one target. If I'm being totally honest, that workload for Pierce is not exactly ideal when we're going up against bad matchups, against good offenses. But this week, he goes up against the Bears. This will be a game where it's probably semi-competitive. Like, I don't think the Bears are going to come out and blow out the Texans early on. That's the problem you run into with this, you know, workload where you're on a bad offense, 
only getting carries, but I think this is a fine matchup for Damian Pierce. So I have him as a start. Rex Burkett as a sit. You just can't start a running back who doesn't even log a carry in the previous game. And then on the other side with the Bears, David Montgomery had a really solid performance against the Packers. Honestly looked great on the ground. So he's going to be a start. And then his backup, Khalil Herbert, will be a sit. Then we have the Chiefs taking on the Colts. For the Chiefs, I do think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a sell high at this point in the season, but I also think he's easily locked himself in as you know a start on a week-to-week basis, probably like a fringe RB2. He probably has established himself as like a back-end RB2 by now, but he's going to be a start. And then the third down back, Jarek McKinnon, is going to be a sit. Then when we get to the Colts, obviously you're firing up Jonathan Taylor as a start. And then Naheem Hines is someone who I think could kind of be on the fringe especially if you're in PPR leagues. So I do want to look at his, I guess, usage through two weeks of the season. So in the first two games, Naheem Hines has combined for four rush attempts and 11 targets. When I'm looking at that workload, that's just not something I'm confident throwing into my lineup. I'm always weary of, you know, tossing these pass catching backs in there because one game they can be super involved. The next game, they're just not utilized in the same way. And they're just giving you really poor production. I just can't start a guy who's averaging two carries and five and a half targets per game. Even in PPR leagues, it's just not a big enough workload for me to be comfortable. So he is going to be a sit. Then we move over into a divisional game between the Bills and the uh, Dolphins. And honestly, I'm going to be sitting all the running backs in this matchup. For the Bills, even though they're going to be a high scoring offense, they're really not a team that gives a ton of fantasy production to the running backs. They're using two or three different guys consistently. I mean, even you saw last night, the Monday night game, they're blowing out the Titans and still none of those running backs were fantasy relevant or guys that you would have wanted in your lineup. So I'm going to be sitting all of them. I think this Dolphins backfield is a lot more interesting but I did end up going with both Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert as sits. And this backfield just got really ugly over the past week. So after week one, I was under the impression that Chase Edmonds was kind of taking over, looking like a really strong fantasy pick. It looked like he was going to be the three down back after week one. He had 12 carries and four targets. Didn't really do much with it, but it was just the fact that he was getting that workload that Mostert in that game had five carries and one target. So it looked like Edmonds was going to be the guy. Then we go into week two and Mostert, you know, jumped his snap share up to 55% at 11 carries, three targets. Edmonds saw his snap share fall to 51%, only five carries, three targets. Neither of these guys are going to be getting a solid enough workload for me to trust them, especially against a tough uh, Bills defense. And then you could even make the argument like, oh, it may be a high scoring game. They're going to get involved in the receiving game. Tua threw 50 pass attempts, and we had three targets to uh, Mostert and three targets to Edmonds. So even in a game where the quarterback was throwing a ton, neither guy was really, you know, a solid play for fantasy. So I'm just going to be sitting those guys, you know, probably until something clears up in that backfield. Then we've got another divisional game between the Lions and the Vikings. For the Lions, you are clearly firing up DeAndre Swift. The man is a beast. And then sitting his backup, Jamal Williams. And then for the Vikings, Dalvin Cook definitely had an underwhelming performance. He's a guy who's just going to need to get into the end zone, and then he's going to start giving you some top production. So he's someone I'm not worried about. I'm going to continue firing him up as a start. Then we have the Ravens taking on the Patriots. And for the Ravens, this whole J.K. Dobbins situation is very weird. He was basically, you know, a full participant the entire week of practice heading into week two. He still doesn't play. Obviously, you know, they're being very, very safe with him. 
If he does play on Sunday, there is no way he is sniffing my lineup. It seems like they are committed to bringing him back very, very slowly. So even if he gets into the game, I don't think it's going to be on a normal workload. And then without Dobbins there, there really hasn't been, you know, much fantasy production out of these other guys. So Justice Hill, Kenyon Drake, all these dudes are going to be sits for me. Then we go over to the Patriots backfield. And, you know, per usual, it is incredibly tough to navigate. I ended up actually going with both of these guys as starts, albeit they're both, you know, very, very fringe options. I wouldn't love it, but I do think they're starting caliber this week. And I do want to look into their usage from week two. So when you're just looking at the fantasy numbers, you know, the uh, points each guy put up, it looked like Harris kind of established himself as the number one option. He had 15 carries, 71 yards, two targets, and then he got the touchdown on the ground. Ramondre Stevenson saw nine carries for 47 yards and two targets. So Damian Harris, six more carries, equal number of targets. Harris gets the touchdown. It looks like he's kind of set himself up as the number one. But this is some info from a Dwayne McFarlane on Twitter. He's a great Twitter follow, you know, posts a ton of great stats, you know, basically right after the games are over. So definitely check him out. But he had a post where he talked about how Ramondre saw 62% of the snaps in the game. He had 58% of the routes, you know, at the running back position. He had 50%, 57% of the long down and distance work. And then he had 100% of the two-minute drill offense. So what that is telling me is that Ramondre Stevenson is taking over that Ty Montgomery role. He's going to have more opportunities. It just was kind of a game where it didn't necessarily shake out. I don't think this is going to be a thing where Damian Harris is consistently outproducing him. I think Ramondre definitely is the higher ceiling, given the fact that he's going to be involved on more passing downs. It just didn't necessarily translate here in week two. So I think both of these guys can be startable. They're obviously not, you know, super strong options. You know, you're not loving firing them up as you're running back two or your flex play, but I do think they're startable. Moving over to the Bengals, taking on the Jets. For the Bengals, you're firing up Joe Mixon. Dude has been a workhorse so far this season. I don't believe he's found the end zone yet, but just like I talked about with Dalvin Cook, a guy that I haven't talked about yet, but Leonard Fournette, these guys have the workloads there. Once they start scoring touchdowns, then their value is just going to skyrocket. On the other side with the Jets, I have both Michael Carter and Brees Hall listed as sits. This backfield is getting really, really gross. We kind of assumed it was going to be a 50-50 between Carter and Hall early on. That's basically what it's been. Uh, Week two, we actually saw Carter take 61% of the snaps. Hall at only 27. The gross part was that Ty Johnson came in and had 19% of the snaps, saw a lot of the third down work, and was targeted three times. It was already gross with a 50-50 between Carter and Hall. Now you have Ty Johnson sliding in here. Not a great sign. We did see both Carter and Hall have seven carries. Carter was targeted five times to Hall's one. As someone who was high on Brees Hall coming into the season, it's definitely not a pretty thing to see here. I do think he's been a solid performer in his opportunities, but at this point in the season, he's a guy where he's going to be giving you production back half. He's not a guy you want to be throwing into your lineup here in week three. Then we have the Raiders taking on the Titans. For the Raiders, I've actually been pretty encouraged in Josh Jacobs' workload. It's not as much as a, it's, it hasn't, it hasn't been as much of a committee as I was expecting, but until that offense really clicks, he's really not going to be giving you elite production. Like the carries are there. Receiving work is probably just not going to be there, but they're also in a spot where they just haven't found a groove as an offense which is what he needs because he needs those touchdowns to kind of support just that work on the ground. But I still think he's startable. 
On the other side, Derrick Henry, really rough game against the Bills. Titans offensive line just does not look great, but you're obviously still firing him up as a start in your lineup. I mean, he's Derrick Henry. Still has the potential to just put together some monster performances. Then we have the Eagles taking on the Commanders. On the Eagles side, I think you continue to fire up Miles Sanders as like a fringe RB2, someone you trust either in your RB2 spot or your uh, flex area, and then sitting his two backups, Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott. On the other side with the Commanders, I think you're slotting in Antonio Gibson in that kind of same Miles Sanders area, and then you're going to be sitting the third down back, J.D. McKissick. That leads us into the Jaguars taking on the Chargers. Jaguars backfield here, not a great sight, especially for someone who's a big Travis Etienne guy heading into the season. I have James Robinson listed as a start, and unfortunately for my fantasy teams, Travis Etienne is listed as a sit here. Man, Etienne, he's had some opportunities. Week one, he had a few opportunities to make plays. He just, he hasn't made the most of it. James Robinson has come in off that Achilles tear and really just been solid. We saw J-Rob take 63% of the snaps in week two. He had 23 rush attempts, two targets. That's to ETN's 37% snap share, nine rush attempts, three targets. I will say that the game script definitely favored James Robinson. They were up the entire game against the Colts. So you're going to be running out the clock. It doesn't favor ETN, who would probably be better in you know a game where they're down. So maybe this is the opportunity for ETN to have a role against the Chargers, especially if the Chargers you know get out ahead early on. Uh, Jaguars are throwing a ton in comeback mode. But with what we've seen through the first two weeks, the Jaguars in back-to-back games going to James Robinson later in the game, it's just not a spot where I can be starting ETN. So we're going to go J-Rob as a start, ETN as a sit. And then for the Chargers, I know Eckler has been a little bit underwhelming to start off the season, but he's definitely someone you still have to fire into your lineups. Then we have the Rams traveling to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. And this Rams backfield shaking up again, looking gross. After week one, it looked like Daryl Henderson was going to be the guy. He took 82% of the snaps, 13 carries, five targets. That was to Akers, 18% of the snaps, only three carries, zero targets. Akers didn't even account for one yard. Then we go out in week two. It's almost close to a 50-50 here. Henderson has 50% of the, 56% of the snaps, 10 carries for 47 yards, a touchdown, no targets. And then we see Akers have 44% of the snaps, 15 carries, 44 yards, three targets, two receptions, 18 yards. So they started to work Akers back in. I have Daryl Henderson listed as a start and Cam Akers as a sit. Henderson is not an overly confident start. I can't buy back into Cam Akers just yet. I don't think this is a spot where it's all of a sudden going to flip and now Akers is going to be the workhorse. Henderson is pushed to the side. I think probably best case for Akers here is it's you know, some sort of 50-50, 55-45, whatever it is. I think there's a better opportunity of Akers kind of fading away and Henderson reemerging as the number one than the other way around with Akers you know, regaining his spot as the number one. So that's what I'm looking at for this week. I'm not going to say I'm overly confident in my take either direction just because it has been gross. But if I had to bet on one guy being the better option, it would be Henderson here. And it's just a backfield where you want pieces, like you want an opportunity to have the number one in this backfield. For the Cardinals, we've got a lot of things up in the air here. We don't know what's going on with James Conner's ankle. We've heard reports that it's not serious, but we don't know what that means heading into week three here. So if Conner's playing, I'm starting him. If he is out, you have the opportunity to go with Daryl Williams or Eno Benjamin. 
For me, I would prefer Daryl Williams. I would give him the slight edge, but that's a situation that we're kind of just going to have to wait and see how it evolves throughout the week. Then moving into the Falcons taking on the Seahawks. For the Falcons, you're firing up Cordero Patterson as a start. Definitely didn't have that same type of ceiling game that he did in week one uh, because Damian Williams went down. They uh, call in Tyler Algier, who was a healthy scratch in week one. He takes basically like 50% of the carries. It's not ideal for Patterson, but I still think he's startable. Algier, you just can't start him. He's in that Mike Davis role, not producing enough at this point. And then for the Seahawks, this backfield is disgusting. You got Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker both as sits. This was Kenneth Walker's NFL debut, and somehow the Seahawks turned it into a three-headed committee. We thought this was probably going to be a two-headed committee between Penny and Walker, but then we see Travis Homer come out and have 45% of the snaps, Penny at 41%, Kenneth Walker at 24%. You can't have a three-headed committee on a bad offense. None of these players should even be sniffing close to your fantasy lineups, so they are all going to be sits. Then we have you know a pretty no-brainer game here. Actually, a big-time matchup between the Packers and the Bucks. For the Packers, you're obviously firing up Aaron Jones as a start. Same thing with A.J. Dillon. I think he's a very solid mid-tier RB2. And then for the Bucks side, firing up Leonard Fournette. Dude has had a massive workload through two weeks. Then we have the 49ers taking on the Broncos in Sunday night football. For the 49ers, I think you can start Jeff Wilson. He was someone I was a little bit skeptical on starting uh, heading into week two. But I think the transition from Trey Lance going down with that ankle injury now to Jimmy G, I think that definitely helps out Jeff Wilson. It's one less person vulturing carries, one less person uh, vulturing, you know, work in the red zone on the goal line. So I do think you can go with Jeff Wilson and then sitting Jordan Mason. We found out Ty Davis Price, who I believe had 14 carries on Sunday. He suffered a high ankle sprain. So he's going to be out of the picture for like four to six weeks. So now Jordan Mason is going to be the number two not someone I'm interested in throwing into my lineup. On the other side with the Broncos, just like we've been doing all season long, I guess for two weeks, starting Javante Williams, pretty confident there, and then sitting Melvin Gordon. This offense just hasn't been good enough to even consider throwing Gordon there, even in like a plus matchup. And this is really not a good matchup here against the 49ers. And then Monday Night Football, last game of the week, Cowboys taking on the Giants. I do have both Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard listed as starts. Do I feel overly confident in either of those players? No, I definitely do not. Through two games, we have Zeke at 62% of the snaps, uh, 45 or sorry, 25 carries and four targets. We have Pollard at 48% of the snaps, 15 carries, nine targets. So as expected, Zeke's getting more work on the ground. Pollard is getting more work through the air. At this point, Zeke has you know drastically underperformed. He just needs to get into the end zone, and that's the tough part about Dak being out is that he kind of relies on those touchdowns since he's not going to have the elite receiving role, but without Dak, they're not going to be you know in range to get as many touchdowns. So he's someone where he's definitely not like a shoo-in into your lineup anymore. Like If you have better options, I would not feel bad about sitting Ezekiel Elliott, but I do think he's in that like flex range where you could throw him in there. Same thing with Tony Pollard. And then to wrap it up with the Giants, obviously you're starting Saquon Barkley, a semi-down game in week two. He'll bounce back. He's a stud, going to be one of the top running backs this season. So Saquon is a start. And that is going to wrap it up for my week three running back start sits. Uh, If you guys did enjoy the content, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. I'll be posting the wide receivers today also. So go check those out if you haven't seen it already. And then yesterday I went through buy low players, sell high players, and then waiver wire targets. 
So go check out all that. Once again, thank you guys for stopping by and I'll see you in the next one.